Welcome to Episode 7 of We Are All Americans, conversations about how family stories are passed down from generation to generation and what it means to be American in the context of multiculturalism, immigration, military service, Black Lives Matter, white privilege, and indigeneity. I'm your host, Michelle Jacquis, and I'm here with my friend who wants to remain anonymous, and we're in the recording studios at Otis College of Art and Design in the Westchester neighborhood of Los Angeles. Hi. Thank you, Michelle. <laughs> um, can you talk a little bit about why you wanted to participate in this conversation? Yeah. Um, this past year and a half has been really interesting for me in terms of thinking about what it means to be an American. Um, I think that um, the current political climate has uh, shaken me and my family up mm. in ways that I absolutely did not expect at all um, in terms of familiar relations and, um, you know, feeling like, you know, who my family was and who was the real American and, you know, all kinds of different conflicting emotions and thoughts about it. So I think that's why I was kind of curious to participate. <laughs> Can you elaborate on that? Like, what? Yeah. what's the makeup of your family? And My family, well, I guess that's kind of a tough question, too, because, like, you mean my birth family or <laughs> my family in general or... Um, I yes, think, all. Yeah, all, all of the above. I think um, specifically, like, I guess I was thinking about, um, you know, changes in my birth family this past year um, in terms of how, um, you know, I saw certain members of my family and how they saw me. Mm. But um, a little background is I'm uh, the youngest in um, a family of five kids uh, by about seven years, um, the baby of the family, um, with my oldest brothers and sisters being, you know, well into their 60s and 70s. So, and we live kind of in um, not totally different parts of the country, but most of my family lives on the East Coast and then I live on the West Coast. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I'm in touch with all of them. Um, one um, sister in specific, um, I'm in touch with most, one, one sister and one brother. Um, one brother's passed away, and then um, my other sister and I don't stay in touch that much. Mm-hmm. But um, I also um, am really involved with my family, with my nieces and nephews, and then I have kind of a made family of my own with my partner. And then, like many people, um, you know, who don't fit sort of normal, um, straight, familial roles, I have a really, you know, big section of family that are you know, friends and family, so to mm-hmm, speak, that have mm-hmm. been around, I've had for years and years. Um, so, you know, family is defined pretty loosely for me, I think, in those terms. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, in regard to thinking about my, you know, sort of my my relationship with my family over the past, ele- you know, the, le- the presidential election here, um, a lot of things came up that I really didn't expect. My um, grandparents, respectively, were from Finland and mm-hmm. Austria mm-hmm. and came over um, to Ellis Island, um, settled in New York, in the Bronx, and um, most of my um, brothers and sisters were raised in the Bronx. Um, we moved out when I was about five or six in New York um, to Connecticut because my grandparents had by then moved to um, kind of a rural area of Connecticut and um, my um, 
mom's parents had passed away, and mm-hmm. so we inherited their house. So we were raised, um, you know, my, my brothers and sisters, older than me, all four of them were raised right, you know, in the middle of a very cultural <laughs> center. And... Um, you know, just experienced everything that that meant at that time in the 60s in New York, the 60s and 70s. Yeah. Which was, you know, a probably real hot, very different than rural Connecticut. Yeah, a real hotbed of all kinds of racial and cultural activities. So um, I, I never really, you know, as we moved along through life, we sort of have differing opinions on. Uh, in politics, and um, my my sister in particular that I'm thinking of, um, you know, married um, someone in the Navy mm. and, um, you know, kind of went more of a conservative route of life, I would say, but always extremely open, open-minded, um, extremely loving and inclusive of, you know, me yeah. and partners in my life, although, you know, many years ago before I came out I was kind of nervous as to how she and her husband would take that but Mm -hmm. it actually went fine um but um and we never we fought when we were younger uh she was my sister that stayed um home the longest and I lived with the longest as the baby of the family and so we fought as you know siblings but once we became adults um I don't know we just really didn't fight at all about anything wow yeah we really didn't, and we were very close. And in some ways, uh, my parents passed away in the 90s, and, you know, that kind of brought us closer together um, and kind of on each other's side. And, That's good. Yeah. So um, <laughs> it was a real shock to me um, when uh, the elections rolled around a year and a half ago or even pre-elections when I started seeing, um, you know, these really anti-liberal kind of posts on my sister's Facebook page and, you know, anti-Hillary and and really just very strong, strong kind of language and, you know, things that I didn't expect at all from her. And um, I kind of tried to broach things a couple couple times with her, but um, we, you know, I realized it was probably an area that we were not going to agree on, yeah. and, you know. Yeah. So, um, you know, we moved along as um, just kind of not talking about it so much, agreeing to disagree. And previously, we weren't always on the same political page. But, but um, you know, the election came along, and um, it seemed pretty clear to me that, you know, my sister was not voting for Hillary. Um, what I never expected, though, was that she would vote for Trump. And... Um, it seemed it, there was kind of a moment where I realized that she did, and um, it was kind of a shock to me. I'd kind mm. of stopped following things that she said on Facebook because she became an active Facebooker, and at one point I couldn't even see those things anymore. So I te- I unfriended her. Oh, <laughs> I unfriended my sister on Facebook, <laughs> and you know, just even talking about this is so bizarre to me to think that that's what. You know, we went through and, and thinking about, you know, those kind of, um, you know, I, I sat there thinking, how can, how, oh, and I, I had, um, uh, you know, was thinking at the time, of course, you know, about Americans and how can she call herself an American and how can I, you know, all these mm. things. And it's so surreal to me to think that that's kind of what sparked this thing was this, um, what I think of as being unreal kind of as Facebook, but it's clearly not. 
because um, my sister within, um, you know, 48 hours had called me and said, did you unfriend me? And I said, yes, I just couldn't see those. I just couldn't see that anymore. Yeah, popping up. It was just yeah. too negative, too horrible. And it came out that she had voted for Trump. I hadn't wanted to ask her. You were afraid that... I was afraid that she had, and she did. And what ensued was the most rip-roaring, horrifying conversation with my sister, um, which went on for hours on the phone with us. Now I know what the term spitting mad means. Let's just put it that way. About America, who was really American, what our parents would have thought of Trump. Um, her term, you know, talking about those people and what those people get, you know, and kind of speaking about immigrants. and How do you define an American and how does your sister define it? Like, who, who is American in your eyes and in her eyes? Wow, well, I guess for me, um, you know, I maybe this is... <laughs> sort of an illusion, but I really sort of feel that it's a place where, um, you know, or or should be, at least ideally, where anyone can find a home and is is open, yeah. you know, is open to people of all different, you know, varieties of life and culture and everything. And it was, and I had kind of always thought that, you know, my family felt that way too. So, um, and I don't think I was really like in great denial about how they like there were never like huge things in my family like we didn't believe that way and also you know they they grew up in you know all of all my sisters grew up in the Bronx you know their friends were from all kind you know so um, and my you know my parents obviously you know grew up as children of immigrants and that mm-hmm. was always very much like it was very you know inclusive across the board of you know of anyone of different ability uh gender gender you know specificity um you know maybe not in some of the outer reaching parts of my family but certainly in my nuclear family so when i spoke to my sister i thought i have a very different idea of what it means to be an american than she does and what seemed to me to be revealed over the conversation was that she had felt uh, well she was really basing her decision a lot on sort of a military perspective Hmm. having had a husband who was previously in the military who's been long retired and that um you know uh, there were things that were being done that she really didn't agree with that um, from the military perspective that she thought that for some reason Trump was going to be able to fix. (laughs) Also, (laughs) it's kind of shocking to me how much um, people really thought that was he could fix things. I don't know what gave people that idea. (laughs) Well, I don't know what gave my sister that idea other than maybe just reading the opposite of the news I was reading, which, of course, opens up the whole can of worms of what's the real news, you know? Yeah. But we got into it down and dirty because, um, you know, 
you know, I have a partner, a woman that I've been with for nine years now. I've never in my past ever wanted to really marry anybody. I finally found someone that I did, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and it's, it's, you know, topic of conversation and, or just, you know, in, in terms of even, you know, things like healthcare, everything, it's harder when you're, you know, when you're with a person of the same gender, it just is not the same to be domestic partners. There's just not, you do not get the same benefits as you right. do from marriage. I never really wanted to get married in my life, but, you know, at this point in time, in the past several years, I thought, hey, maybe that would be kind of, you know, okay. So I really got into it with um, my sister who, you know, just basically dismissed me when I spoke about that and said, oh, they can't change. You know, nothing like that is ever going to change. They can't change those things. You know, it's going to be fine. And, and, you know, I had to, I actually. Meaning, wait, they can't change what things like she. Like, you know. The the fact that now marriage marriage is, is, gay marriage is legal. Yeah, equality of marriage. And, and, um, you know, I I actually had to, um, you know, we were talking about Mike Pence. And I was talking about Mike Pence's belief about, um, you know, homosexuality. And I actually had to, you know, spell out for her exactly what went on in the Holocaust, you know, with the pink triangle. I had to say, are you not remembering your history? Like, this could happen again. And no, no, that's never going to happen again. So, um, you know, the conversation went round and around, but it became really clear to me that someone raised in the same family as me in the same environment, mostly, um, had really shifted perspective Mm -hmm. um, from what we were sort of taught, what it was to be an American in in our home. Um, and you talked about how you guys, you two talked about what your parents would have thought. Did you both have differing ideas of what you thought your parents would feel if they were alive now? Well, I, I didn't um, think we did, but the, conver- the conversation was sparked because although I had stopped seeing her posts on Facebook after Trump was elected, I posted um, a statement to the fact that, you know, if people, if anyone had, um, you know, not voted or voted for Trump, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I can't remember exactly what I said now, but basically um, the inference was that, um, you know, um, I think I used the term now but I said something that really offended my sister mm. and she thought I was making because you said it publicly so her. she could see it yeah she mm. thought I was making the comment directly about her and of course I was making it more generally but but I at that point I didn't know that she had voted for him so um, you know she could not get past the point that she thought I was insulting that she mm. voted for him so so at that time yeah, I thought that our ideas were kind of similar, but it became pretty clear to me after talking to her that there was a vast ocean of difference between our beliefs. And also, um, her perspective of what it was like to grow up, um, you know, and grow into adulthood and, you know, be in partnerships with, you know, women and the threats that you might have and the dangers you might have living in that kind of, you know, relationship with somebody. I mean, I can remember walking through towns in, um, you know, outside of Boston with my girlfriend at the time, and, you know, my girlfriend wouldn't hold my hand, Mm. you know? And I can remember driving down to, um, you know, Tennessee with my girlfriend many years later, and I think I had like a, I don't know, some sort of bumper sticker on my car that... um, 
you know, she said, you're going to have to cover that up. You're going to have to cover that bumper sticker up. I think it was like a, you know, equal. It was right. A, um, but, but it was that one that was the blue, was it the blue, blue and yellow sign with yeah. the yellow equal yeah, symbol? Yeah, yeah. yeah. She's like, you're going to have to cover that up. And I was trying to tell my sister about this and just getting dismissed and dismissed again. So it seemed also... Like it didn't occur to your sister that no. these things were even issues in the world? No. And... That affected you, her no, sister? No, I, I think she knew there were issues in the world, but, um, you know, in the realm of homophobia, you know, it's hard... I don't know how to say this other than, like, I haven't had enormous, you know, violent discriminations against mm -hmm, me. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm a white woman. Um, I pass, quote-unquote. You know, I look more feminine than not feminine. Mm. So, you know, there have been a few incidents that have been, you know, precarious and dangerous to me, but I've sort of navigated them. Yeah. Um, and, but, you know... Do you so, think maybe your sister didn't see the connection between voting for Trump and Pence and what that makes you feel in terms of your safety yeah. and your livelihood. I mean, these are conversations, you, you know my twin sister is also lesbian, yeah. and we, had, we have a cousin who we're really close to. Who vote, I see her almost like a big sister, and her kids are like my younger sisters, I feel. Her apartment in New York was my home away from home when I was in college in Connecticut. And and she voted for Trump, and she got really upset because I think it was after the um, after the Trump administration tried to roll back all of Obamacare and set up this new yeah. health plan. I posted fuck Repu fuck Repu fuck you Republicans yeah. or something like that to Facebook, and my cousin I don't think she took it personally, but she she and I talked about it recently because she she said she felt more. She was more worried for me about what that could do to me career-wise or politically. Like, like, would I put myself in danger by expressing that in such what she saw as, like, violent language to say, fuck, all, fuck you, Republicans. Your cousin. My this. cousin was worried. Uh, and what uh, I was trying to explain to her was how offended my sister and I were yeah. that she would even vote for somebody who wanted to take away rights from my sister. And, yeah. and and that was, I don't know that she connected that. Yeah, I don't think my sister did either. And I don't, and I wasn't even fighting the battle just for my own rights as a, you know, wanting to marry another woman. Right. Or have this, it, you know, throughout the conversation, I, you know, we went through health care. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And what that would mean to people, people everywhere. Right, right. And we went through... Um, you know, people with disabilities. I mean, my partner um, is a special education teacher. So to see, you know, a presidential candidate mocking people with disabilities on national television, you know, I kind of brought... So it was like a broad spectrum of things that I could not believe that she did not see eye to eye with me on. Things that I had always thought were, you know, and maybe under the illusion, um, at least some fundamental tenets of being an American, mm, you know? Mm -hmm. So... It was a bit of a shock, <laughs> you know, and and uh, it was. It, I can't. I, I things changed mm, afterwards. Mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. things changed, and I really had to, you know, think about. Um, I don't know, you know, like uh, it, it was hard for me to talk to her for a long time, and I think it was hard for her to talk to me. 
and I finally kind of made a gesture, like thought about it a lot and thought, okay, family, family, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. because it's clear that she loved me dearly and my partner and mm. was not trying to any way like do something against me. <laughs> but, you know, isn't it funny? Like you say, you're just to have that blind spot, though, of not recognizing that voting could actually be against could set things in motion to be against. Yeah. I, I and keep, she never quite saw it either. Never I keep it. thinking about, I thought about this after September 11th happened, that right away I was like, anybody in this country who is not white, heterosexual, Christian, yeah. it's going to get bad for the rest of us. Yeah. Like I really felt that yeah. right away. That was the moment that everything's going to, if you're not conforming to that heteronormative white Christian, like I felt like even Jews aren't, even though the country's sort of a Judeo-Christian country, it's still really a Christian country, even though the people in charge and that, yeah, that that it was going to get hard for everybody else that didn't fall into that category. Well, I thought... You know, we had our convocation this morning, and mm. we're talking about the, um, you know, iGen and um, being more multicultural. And right. I, I just sat there hoping and praying that that is going to be something that shifts what's going on right now in this country. You know, that that sort of inclusiveness. Yeah. Um, I thought we might get there be- when Obama was elected. I felt really, really hopeful. Too. And I knew, I don't agree with the whole post-racial thing, but I felt like Agreed. at least there'll be some people with seats at the table that are making, that are in powerful positions that can think his, particularly Obama's experience having lived abroad, right. having been raised by a single mother, having been growing up in a biracial as with a biracial identity, sort of living in Hawaii even compared to the mainland, like all the different levels of experience that he had, I thought brought with brought to him this sense of being able to see outside of one's own experience. Yeah. And that I feel like often gets missing in positions of power. Um, yeah. I see it with um the woman who got hired, who who got who won the primary, I think in the Bronx, right? I can't think of her name right yeah, now. I can't either, but I know who you're talking about. Yeah. Um, somebody Ocasio. Yeah. But I, I see that hope yeah. in that. I see it in the, all the high school students from Parkland who mm-hmm. are becoming activists. Yeah, I hope so. I mean, it's the. You know, and it's a terrible way for them to have to become activists, but, you know, I mean, this can't continue, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and uh, just, I mean, it really, um, I don't know, I know a lot of other people, too, who ran into this in their own family to their shock. Um, mm-hmm. And... Uh, have dealt with it in different ways, just like dismissively, like, eh, they've always been whatever, you know, eh, not even thinking about it. They've always been conservative. Or, you know, the, this is our president now, so we just need to deal with it, and, you know, we'll have our chance in for it, you know, like all these yeah, sort of things, yeah. and, you know, but it just, 
you know, I would have to say it kind of eviscerated me <laughs> knowing. And, you know, I have a pretty small family. So, you know, the family that I have, um, you know. You want to keep re- them. Re- yeah. And I, yeah. you know, I dearly love my sister. And, you know, so, you know, part of me thinks that. And then part of me on the other side is like, you know, you've had it lucky all these years having, you know, mm. such family, you know, think about people who really, you know, yeah, <laughs> were yeah. bereft. So I can't be like, wow, 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 poor me too much, you know, but it did rock my world enough and it enough to maybe into action. And maybe that's kind of, you know, sort of a global, um, I don't know, lesson for me and uh, other people in life as to like, okay, you can no, you cannot be complacent, you know, I don't know. Yeah. I think a lot of a lot of conversations I've had lately revolve around this being scary, but also a wake up call that complacency is not possible, and we have to get more engaged and active in yeah politics and understanding history. Well, and just as a teacher too. I mean, I never, uh, you know, never had a lot of money I, I never really traveled internationally mm. until recently because I just could never afford it right and I just you know could yeah, never really too. afford it and um you know too busy trying to like scrabble with all my teaching jobs and pay my rent and do you know so I couldn't and you know it's become really critical for me now to try and fold that into my life in some way you know mm-hmm. and because I think about um you know I think about my students here and I have many international students. And, you know, for the first time a few years ago, I, I did travel internationally. And, you know, it completely changed, um, you know, how I think about teaching. Mm. Because How so? Because I just think about, you know, I grew up in, you know, New York and Connecticut. I went to school here. I was always speaking English. I knew where to go grocery shopping. I knew how to drive around. I knew how to take the subway. I could communicate, you know, and, you know, I did several countries and a few weeks on my own alone and, you know, different languages, different currency. And I just, I mean, it sounds like a small thing maybe um, to many world travelers, but it had such an impact on me in terms of thinking about my students in my mm. class mm-hmm. who don't speak my language, mm. who are trying to just get along with the basics of being in a new city, in a new land, in a new school, you know. And, you know, they're younger, so they're probably a lot braver and, you know, like casual about it. But it just really, you know, I'm just much more, um, I don't know, I think given who I have been in general, I've tried to be you know, open and accommodating and accepting and as a teacher as much as possible. But, you know, it just made me go the extra mile. Well, it's all, it's like I think about the people that I went to high school with and, and middle school with in South Florida who still stayed in South Florida, yes. never even went out of state for yeah, college. Out of, or out of state at all, afraid yeah. to, yeah. And, and that, how just that, makes a different worldview than if you even go out of state for college, let alone study abroad or travel a lot with, you know, yeah. to other places. That changes your perspective so much. It does, even in, in the States. And my my niece um, brings out my grandniece, who's 10 now, um, to at least California mm-hmm. in the summer. Because, you know, they live in a small town in Massachusetts and, you know, it's still pretty conservative. And 
you know, she said to me, she was here a couple weeks ago, and, you know, and she said, I just think it's good for her to see people of all colors, all races, all cultures doing all kinds of jobs. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. and the same thing, she brings her here, and, you know, well, they, she and her husband, also to Washington, you know, where people, everybody is riding the metro. In D.C. Different, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Washington, D.C., where, you know, like there's a, um, you know, kind of, um, um, I don't know what the word is I'm looking for, but commonality to, you know, roles that you just don't see in some places. Yeah, I mean, it's part of the reason why every time Jeremy talks about maybe going back to New England, I'm like, I want my son to grow up in this environment where his friends are every different skin color and he's hearing multiple languages and you're right, seeing people doing all different things and there aren't any, there's, it's not like certain races can only do certain jobs and certain genders can only do certain jobs. Like wanting him to see the plurality of experiences and that I don't know I'm I'm not convinced he would get in certain parts of New England in Boston proper probably. Yeah. But not in the same way that you'd get in LA or like in in New York City. Yeah, New York or or in any other cities. Yeah. yeah. Which I you know, I think that you know, my world view growing up in a tiny little town in Connecticut once we moved out of New York. Well, that was the thing that surprised me too because I thought I, you know, I moved out when I was of the Bronx when I was six and, you know, went to a tiny little high school of all white mm. <laughs> students in an all white town in a section of Connecticut that was pretty darn white. And, you know, um, there was, you know, uh, my, my sister who had gone in an extremely multicultural, you know, place and how could she have that view mm. when I yeah. had the total, you know, had the whole like, opposite experience. So... I don't know. So I think, you know, what can, you know, does it help? I don't know. What do you think? I mean, well, I feel like at least I was thinking about this recently, too, because we went back to South Florida to see family the beginning of the month. And I, I found myself thinking a lot about how, how we react to difference in different parts, and I felt almost like there's a South Florida's pretty diverse, probably majority white and African American and Latino. Um, not a lot of people from parts of Asia, but a lot from like the Caribbean and and Latin America. Yeah. And I was thinking about this with the way like high school cliques sometimes divide by race or yeah. or interest. Um, and that there were moments where when I first moved down there, because we moved from a suburb of Buffalo that was, I think I remember one black student in my elementary school and then she was like a new student and it was sort of, everybody was like, we have a black student now. We, it was sort of like a big deal when we, she we arrived, one, right? One, two, and they and she did not stay long. And we were thing. one of two Jewish families in the whole town, or at least in our school, Um and my only other Jewish friends were at the Hebrew school that was like two towns away that we went to after school. 
so that area was not that diverse, and then South Florida felt was much more so. But I do have recollections of moving there and becoming friends with, um, like in the first few years of living there, and sort of like moving back and forth between finding who uh, who's going to be in my circle of friends, mm. and and noticing reactions of like when I would sit at a table full of mostly black students, what reaction I would get from other students, mm-hmm. or. Um, reactions from my even I remember my grandfather had these would would be the one to shuttle us back and forth after school activities and stuff Mm -hmm. and he would sometimes take our friends home and my sister told me a story how he drove her and two soccer friends home from soccer practice and afterwards said I didn't know you had black friends and my sister was like was I supposed to have mentioned that (laughs) that's sort of weird Um, wow and but then like the yeah. Latino students didn't really, I feel like there was such a culture in South Florida of particularly the Cuban immigrants had been in that country in South Florida for such a long time that my peers were born there. Mm-hmm. Maybe their parents were born there, or their parents came when they were kids in in Florida, and the parents would speak Spanish to them, and the kids would apply back in English. And I felt like those students mixed with everybody and no one really made distinctions about you're white or you're yeah. Latino. It was sort of like the big distinctions I saw were between black and white and I feel like that was the leftovers of the South. Hmm. That we always say South Florida is south of the South, but it still had some residual yeah. South stuff. Yeah. Segregation South yeah. stuff happening. Um, But growing up in that environment, I do feel like makes me feel uncomfortable when I'm in all white environments. Like I notice it in a way that I don't, um, that yeah. I, I find sort of weird when I go back, to, like when I go to New England or something. But that is so interesting that you say that because um, I never really thought about that until I went to Finland for the first time, mm-hmm. and my heritage is Finnish. Yeah. And um, in the city, there's, you know, there's, it's quite white, but there are some people of different colors. But um, in North and Central Finland, um, I actually, that kind of felt unusual to me, too. Well, and I imagine yeah. everybody also probably has blonde hair. Most people have blonde hair. A lot of people look a lot like me. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it was strange. I, I just, I remember at one, at one point standing in a section of the city where they were having, like, a little concert, um, you know, like, in Helsinki, just looking around, and, like, every head was, like, blonde. Everybody was blonde. And I, it felt very strange for me. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why. Well, you know, and I had just seen that day, I can't remember the name of the artist now, but um, it was this incredible um, piece at um, Kiosma, the art museum there, which was um, a room like this size stacked up halfway mm-hmm. of passports. I can't mm. remember the artist's name. I'll have to, anyway, look it up. But anyway, it was something like um, 10 million passports. And it's... Um, Represented all the people that would have been immigrants to Finland from, like, the 1970s on or something like that. Hmm. But they were not. 
because they were not allowed to be immigrants to Finland. They weren't accepting immigrants? Yeah, yeah for ah. years. And I talked to a friend of mine, you know, when I was there, who actually is from there, and I met in grad school, and he lives there now, and he said, yeah, it's really, really hard, you know, to come and live in Finland. Um, they're very strict with their immigration laws. So, you know, those two things happened on the same day, and I, I had this strange, like, uncanny feeling looking around me. You know, I spent a lot of time in Boston, you know, which is not, you know, it's, I don't know, not exactly super multicultural. It's a pretty segregated city, but Yeah, I feel like it's, it's definitely more diverse than, like, the suburbs yeah. of the South Shore where yeah. Jeremy's family's from, yeah. but, it, but it does feel segregated. Like, I remember saying to my friend who lived in South... Yeah, she's South or Boston, Dorchester. I think, and I and I, I was like, oh, your neighborhood's pretty diverse. She's like, well, not really. It's just that we live on the border of a predominantly black neighborhood, yeah. and and so there's some mixing, mixing back yeah. and forth. But really, it's not. And I was like, oh, and I have friend. I remember friends from grad school, a Danish woman who dated an African American man, and he would say to her, we can't hold hands when we go to Boston. And and she was like, "What? What's the problem?" Wow. But but his attitude was so like, "So what year would that This been? would have been late nineties, and Jeez. and and his attitude was like, "We're going to get harassed if people yeah. think we're together." Well, that's probably true. And then I like just thinking about different. I mean, living having lived there too in different areas in Boston. I mean, go to South Boston. I felt like yeah. certain parts of Boston had this attitude of just anything that's different yeah. is wrong. Yeah. And we're going to yell at you and swear at you and yeah. until you know it. Oh, well, that's true. I mean, and just growing up, you know, being slightly different and, you know, an artist and stuff, yeah. even in even Connecticut. Even that is like... I mean, I was harassed constantly. You know, it wasn't just the regular high school nerd thing. It was, you know, my friends and I who, you know, some of us were leaning towards queer then, you know. Oh, forget it, you know. But that is, I think, you know, part of New England, um, it still has its very puritanical roots, you know. But, yeah. But. I mean, I feel like a minority going to certain parts of Massachusetts, not not so much Boston, but in, like, the suburbs where Jeremy's family live, yeah. just being half Jewish. Jewish, yeah. Well, yeah, I think that definitely. But that's sort of, like, a weird, like, like I kind of like that when we're here in L.A., when the holidays come, there's this, I feel like L.A. is so diverse and multicultural that people don't make assumptions about what you celebrate or believe or anything whereas in New England it's this are you ready for Christmas and I oh, yeah. have to always be like no yeah, I don't celebrate Christmas and yeah, which is amazing in this day and age right? I had a roommate, I had <laughs> so a roommate, hard to believe I had a roommate in undergrad who lived like out in like a suburb of Hartford Connecticut and her parents were nearby and she, the one year, my senior year, I didn't go home to Florida for winter break. And I was kind of like reveling in, I'm going to have the sculpture studio to myself. I'm going to have my apartment to myself. It's normally shared with five other people. And it'll be quiet time. And, and I'm used to growing up where, because my parents divorced before we started elementary school. So mm. we didn't celebrate Christmas after my parents divorced. Yeah. So it was just, it was the day that I would work to get ex- double pay it was like otherwise an inconsequential day and and this roommate was so her she and her family were so adamant that i could not spend christmas alone that i had to go to their house and i finally like reluctantly went you know i sat there while they all opened all their presents and then they gave me 
the bin of popcorn that was clearly for whoever <laughs> random person can. shows up. Yeah, and uh, and just couldn't they couldn't wrap their head around somebody not celebrating this holiday for them that was so important and so American. Like I don't even think they saw it as like this is a religious thing. And sure, you have a different religion. It was more like. Everybody celebrates Christmas. How could you not celebrate Christmas? So do you think that's like a, 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 a sort of a repercussion of never having really traveled widely and seeing... I don't know. Cause Maybe. Because... Um, I have no idea. Because there is that, like, impulse of, like, don't be alone on the holiday. You know, like, people don't want people to be alone on the holidays because, yeah. they're, you know, then... It's for family time, or if it's yeah. Really, but like, if it's not your holiday, I mean, you know, we we're, we're not really doing Boxing Day so much. It's a different day, you know what I mean? Yeah, rather, I never understood it. You know, it's like if it's not your holiday, then it's a day for you. It's just a day, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but it is kind of. It reminds me of my one of my. I don't know if she was still teaching at RISD when you were there, or you wouldn't have had her because she taught in sculpture. C. Max Stevens. Yeah. And she was seminal, and she talked. She would always tease us and say, "I'm hoping I'm having class on Thanksgiving because this is not my holiday, and you all better show up." <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, and thinking about even, you know, you're t- talking about growing up Jewish or part Jewish, or you know, when I was in Connecticut growing up, um, you know, I had friends that were Jewish. Mm-hmm. I can distinctly remember meeting them several in high school. And there was a big conversation at the time because um, my father, who has an Austrian last name, you know, fought for, uh, in World War II, for America. Mm. (laughs) And when people would meet him, he would, you know, this is the conversation when I met my friends that were Jewish, that that was the conversation we had in our house, you know. Your father fought in World War II, and people used to get really mad at him because they would think that... You know, he was, um, you know, he was a Nazi. He was a Nazi, but he was not fighting on that side. I hope you understand that. And I'm like, of course I understand that. Like, really? Are you telling me that now? You know, so as you meet your friends who are Jewish, you need to let them know that, you know, your last name being Austrian does not mean, you know, that your father was was a Nazi. (laughs) You know, and I'm just like, what? You know? Like, that was my... But of that generation, it's a... I can understand them thinking... I mean, my grandfather would tell us very adamantly, you don't buy German because of World War... the Holocaust, and you don't buy Japanese because they bombed Pearl Harbor. And that was... He was very strict about that. And my... I had a boyfriend in college that was... German, but like German American, I don't. Maybe it was his grandparents that were German, and we would sort of joke about, like, should we let my grandfather know, or should we not? Yeah. Because he would have been, he he was upset that everybody, all his kids, married non-Jews, Gentiles, huh. and didn't like that my, his grandchildren dated outside of Judaism. So to let him to then to date. A, yeah. Uh, Gentile German was like. Yeah. Well, yeah, there were all these sort of like, you know. I'm glad that I that. feel like at least yeah. it's not um, for uh, even our generation, but even especially younger, it just seems like it's a non issue for most people. And maybe it's just because we live in LA and because we live in a 
we're in the art world, which is much more liberal-minded, but it doesn't seem like it's as big of a concern for... Yeah, and But it, then I think about the middle of the country, it, and I'm well, know, yeah. myself wrong right now, so I don't well, know. Well, I mean, you know, I've all, for years I've said that to my real liberal friends on the coast, like... If you drive across country, you're going to see a very different country than we are living yeah. here in Boston, San Francisco, New York. Yeah. And when I talk to my partner, you know, um, her heritage is Japanese. Yeah. And so, you know, me hearing about, you know, the Japanese bombing Pearl Harbor and being on the other side of that... I now get her perspective about when she was growing up in, mm. you know, Los Angeles area, how, um, you know, different sorts of things happened to her because she was seen as, you know, Japanese mm-hmm. and, you know, pretty close enough to be seen as part of, quote unquote, the enemy that had bombed mm. Pearl Harbor or her fan, you know, when, of course, mm-hmm. they didn't do it. Were just her like parents her interned? Yes. Yeah. 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 Both of them um, for kind of most of their teenage years. So, yeah, so it's a, you know, like any way you kind of come at it, you're getting these different messages from your family and, you know, um, I don't know. I just thought that it was always so unusual that that was my introduction to, you know, meeting my friends. Like, was this story that I had to be prepared to tell them tell them yeah. about my father because of my last name? And, mm. you know, and Sandy, on the flip side, had to be completely prepared to, you know, knowing that her parent, her parents had been in internment camp. Like, you know, so she's on the side where, you know, people are seeing, you know, that uh, Japanese people as being dangerous. And yet, I mean, I don't know. It's, it's you know, we started talking about, like, you know, thinking about being an American. And it's just, mm-hmm. you know feels very befuddled you know in my head now in some ways <laughs> just thinking about everything that's gone on mm-hmm. and our president and who who are the real americans H- have you read um small great things no by jody Pucot? no oh, it's amazing um if you can listen to the audiobook maybe while you're driving because yeah. it's re- it's really incredible to listen to but it's basically uh, in a nutshell, it's about uh, an African American nurse who um, treats a white child, um, but the parents are um, white supremacists. And so, and what time period does it take place in? Um, recent. Oh, can't remember exactly when, but but the book is written from her perspective and from their perspective, mm. and. It's really intense. It's really intense. It's like you find yourself at certain points in the book Mm -hmm. um, seeing both of their sides. You know, and I never thought I would. I mean, it's like it's incredibly written because you're, you're, you know, you're listening. Well, I was listening to it, but, you know, you're you're hearing the story of the white supremacist family. And, um, you know, there are parts where you kind of lose yourself in the story of their life and you're sympathizing with, oh, you know, this relationship went bad or they had a loss in their family or whatever. And then, of course, you're just like catching yourself going, what? You know? Well, because it's it sounds like with a lot of stories, it's about humanizing exactly. someone, even if you yeah. disagree with them or 
you see them as the enemy. Right. They're, they're all human. They have lives. And, mm. you know, and the nurse, you know, has her life. And, I mean, I will not tell you what happens in the end because I think it's good. What do you think as a white person about the terms white privilege, white fragility, and white supremacy? What is your relationship to those things? There's three, I mean, you know, for me, they seem uh, really linked, you know. Mm -hmm. um, it's a tough question, you know. I mean, like, I don't know what I think about them because it's hard to, I mean, you know, white privilege, white supremacy, white supremacy and white fragility I mean, my immediate reaction is, um, you know, I, that's not me, <laughs> right? Because I, that's like, you know, that's the first phrase that popped in my head is like, well, that's not me, you know? Hmm. But that's not true, you know, because, hmm. you know, it can't be. I exist, I mean, I, I don't think I exist in the world of white supremacists or white supremacy at all, but, you know, there's no denying, you know, that I'm white and I've had privileges because of it. Hmm. Um I'm not even really entirely sure what I know what white fragility means. Like, I've I've started I mean, to be honest. I don't well, know what that I think really. I would say it, it has to do with the that sense of it, in some ways it, it's like when when someone is called out for saying something that might be racist or a subtle microaggression, and they're offended by being called, called out, out but, yeah. and maybe that sense yeah. of like in some ways maybe it yeah. is that oh it, th yeah those things exist but I'm not that person yeah. or don't call me a racist or yeah. it's I think it sort of relates to that I, I have also had conversations with other people where other white people where they're really offended by the broadening of the term white supremacy and I see that reaction as a relating to white fragility where they're not they're seeing white supremacy as Nazis, KKK, overt racism, and that's it. And they're not seeing it as a systemic dominance of of culture or beauty standards or yeah. that could result in a lack of representation of people of color in the media or could re result in an unconscious bias in hiring practices. Like they, they, they see it as like extreme white supremacy is. means the yeah. super, super racist and I'm not that person. So don't yeah. put me in that category yeah. versus, Oh, I might also have, have these other, I might've benefited from being a white person and I'm willing to own that. I, think. I guess I see it that way too. White supremacy. Cause I don't really, I didn't mm. really, my immediate, you know, and I think yeah. I just said, like, well, white supremacist, that, that's yeah. not me at all. You know, more like, you know, where do I fit in that? Probably white privilege. And, you know, yeah. I think that I'm pretty, I noticed that um, fragility thing, I think, mm -hmm. now that you've described it, being a lesbian. Mm. Because I think, um, not about being white, but I think there is a little bit of that, too, when, um, you know, there's that kind of conversation going on in terms of, um, you know, when you're talking to people about, you know, your your life with someone of the same gender mm -hmm. or, you know, or you say something, or like you say, you know, there's like a, oh, you know, how are you saying that? Some of my, 
like you know I'm so offended I you know I have so many friends that are gay you know, they, you know this whole thing. oh when like yeah. just you calling someone out when they yeah. say something that seems sort of subtly homophobic yeah subtly or, or not yeah, so subtly yeah. um, uh-huh. you know people are just like I'm not homophobic like what are you talking yeah. about you know yeah. like so so I think I'm kind of sensitive to that mm. but um, I don't know you know it's kind of um, you know I often feel like I don't have a I I can't say it, you know, I can't say anything about it because Mm, I am mm. white, you know? So, but I just kind of keep having to think, like, it doesn't really matter, you know, what color I am. (laughs) You know, I just, like, I see what's, you know, the thing that I really got into it, I think, with my sister was, um, you know, is being aware of, you know, privilege. Mm Mm-hmm. And being aware of people who don't have that privilege and whoever they are. Mm-hmm. Like, someone has to be a voice. Because <laughs> you know? privilege could be a skin color privilege, it could be a socioeconomic privilege, yeah. it could be heteronormative privilege, whatever. It could be a bodily challenge yeah. yes. privilege. Yeah. You know, we can yeah. walk, someone can't. I mean, exactly. look at, like, you know, anything, or we can tell, you know, any of those things. And, mm. like, you know, so. I, you know, I can't escape the fact that I'm white. Um, so I'm, I feel like, sure. I, I mean, I, I, I know that I have been privileged because of it, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, all I can do is kind of, like, try to keep an eye out where I can, you know. I don't know. Maybe that sounds really sort of, you know, pie in the sky. But I don't know. I mean, if, if the... <laughs> You know, if at least people are basically trying to do that, trying mm, to keep mm-hmm. an eye out, you know, then that's certainly better than what we've got going on now in much of our country. <laughs> I hope. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a lot going on right now, you know, in our world. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's um, shocking when it comes right, you know, home into your own family life. Yes in an unexpected way. I know a lot of people have experienced that. So, um, I don't know. Well, well, thank you for having this conversation with me. Thanks, Michelle. It's It's so good to chat with you. Good. (laughs)